We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Lots to talk about around the NBA as usual. And I guess if we have to, we can start with game three and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad way that game ended. Keith, how are you doing? I like the Alexander reference. Well done. <laughs> and I've used that in an article a time or 10 uh, yeah. when things have gone really poorly. So I, I like it. I appreciate that. But even, even if my sentiments lie completely in the opposite direction. <laughs> uh, well, I was talking about Steph Curry's injury. What were you talking about? Oh, sure. About? Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Or the, 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 the awful foul language Celtics fans use. The awful foul. Oh, the Draymond stuff. I oh, was, that, that was interesting. Although I thought it was pretty – like I noticed this when they pan when they panned to the crowd, it felt like every crowd shot was the same. Did you did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, I mean a little bit, I guess. I I mean I all that stuff kinda I don't I am doing so much during games. Um, between yeah. tweeting and making notes and that stuff tends to fly a little bit right by me. Um, I clearly hear it. And then if they point it out, um, I think Jeff Van Gundy at one point, cause it was so loud, uh, was like, they're, they're expressing displeasure with Draymond Green or something like that. And then I'll pick up oh. on it. But yeah, it, it, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, the, mostly I was amused by the whole thing with, yeah, Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson saying like, you know, real classy. Um, while oh, yeah. you know, simultaneously Draymond Green is at the podium cussing in front of his his uh, son. <laughs> like I, right. I was just like, what are we doing here? But it's you know, whatever it is, what it is. That's just you know, dumb. But let's you want to talk about the actual game itself? Yeah, I mean, it, again, I don't, I don't make too much of it or, or anything like that. The, again, when they were showing the crowd, you saw everybody kind of saying what they were saying and doing what they, what they were doing, but whatever. It, it, part of that, Draymond brings it on himself. So yeah, yeah, with the things that yeah. he says and, and things he does and all that. So um, the game itself, it was, it was interesting the way the game played out because you saw, essentially it was kind of like game one where the Warriors made, made their push and then the Celtics said, no, 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 this time we're not going to fall apart. Game two, the Warriors made their push and the Celtics went, oh, my gosh, we're falling to pieces. And then game three was they make their push in the third. And the, it, it's 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 like it all comes down to how do the Celtics respond to the inevitable push the Warriors make? If they panic and freak out, they lose the game. If they keep their wits about them, they win. I, and it's, it, that's a total oversimplification based on all the different strategies that are going into the game. But – 
for that's just the big picture feeling that I'm getting from these games. Yeah. I'll be honest, I don't know how much of an oversimplification it really even is. I think that's a pretty good summary. It's, uh, yeah, this it's, the first halves have been played very evenly uh, by both sides. And to basically, we're getting to halftime with the games right there in range for either team. Third quarter, Golden State comes out, and they kick Boston's tail all over the place. The one difference was the Celtics in game three versus game two or even game one they kind of rallied towards the end of the third quarter, towards the back half, and then they were able to keep control of things. And then that allowed them, when they got into the fourth quarter, they weren't having to fight back and you know play great. But the Warriors, again, in the fourth quarter, played terribly. They, they, they think they were 5 of 15 uh, from the field. They were 1 of 9 from 3, and they had 8 turnovers in the fourth quarter. Um, some of that was their own sloppiness, but a lot of that was the Celtics' uh, defensive pressure. And I, I'm curious to see, you know, as a, uh, I'm going to say, relatively neutral observer, and I know your you're, you're rooting lies in one direction. <laughs> um, but does it seem like Golden State's a little worn down? Like like last night, did it seem like they were, they were tired? It reminds me a lot of, of the Lakers in terms of when LeBron goes off the floor, everything falls to pieces. The Warriors are like yeah. that with Steph right now, where they're, they're, there's nothing like any minutes, any minute that Steph is off the floor is too much. They just, they yep. can't maintain anything when he's off the floor. And, and part of that might be fatigue. Part of that might be, um, you're not getting a lot out of, out of Draymond. Again, he was terrible game one, terrible game three. You're just, you're not getting the kind of, of impact that you needed out of him even on a night when Steph and, and Clay both uh, shot pretty well and did what, what they needed to do. You needed more from, from him. And so that's creating a lack of sustainability whenever Steph is off the floor. You just run into problems. And then, of course, Jordan Poole, I thought he was okay in this one, but in general, they, they, they suddenly feel kind of thin, the, the roster yeah. does, uh, for the Warriors. And, and I don't know how much of that is fatigue, how much of that is – the big stage with young players how much of that is just the Celtics defense it's probably all things all things combined but yes it does feel like they're a little bit run ragged a little bit beat up and now of course all eyes are on Steph Curry's ankle yeah and now he did his media availability earlier today it wasn't exactly um you know uh, confidence <laughs> inspiring I guess because he said I'm good enough to play like that's not what you, you know you want to hear like I feel great like I'm okay. Like I'll be out there. No, no issues. Uh, it was I'm good enough to play. And then uh, you could tell he was getting very tired. I mean, he must have been asked ten questions about sure. it in all sorts of different ways. You know, rank it on the pain scale and what's it like compared to last time and all these things. And you could tell he was getting aggravated uh, by the end. But I thought what was what was a little telling was he said, "Now that I've been through it once, I know what I'm dealing with and I know how to handle it." And I'm good. I'm going to be good enough to play, and that's that's concerning because you're absolutely right. One is, let me say this right out: this is the first time I've actively watched a series and had like an interest in it beyond just loving basketball. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> to you know, you see it four times a year a lot, right? Like this, the Celtics guy, it's twice a year, and obviously I watch them a whole bunch of other times, but with a, with an a true interest in the outcome of the game, it's twice a year, and if he misses one, then it might only be once. Sometimes a couple of years, I think it's been none. Um, but man, he is just, it's like he hits half court, and you're instantly on edge, because you're like, you might pull up. 
Oh, they're, they're coming up to set a screen right next to the logo. Like he's going to yep. come off this. He's going to shoot it. And you just don't know what to do, right? You, you get so like, ah, you know, kind of almost frazzled as a fan. Like it's, I can imagine what the players are like on that. But so a couple things. One is here. I hope he's healthy and can play um, yeah. and get it. It's easier for the Celtics if he doesn't. I don't care. Oh, if, if he's him. if he's not, the series is over. Yeah, just, exactly. And that's done. exactly that's it. it. He, if he's, he, if he's, he's not one hundred percent, it's over. Yeah, you're you're right right on it. If he cannot be Stephen Curry dominant, thirty point guy attracting all the defense, it's it's done. Yeah. They, they just don't have enough else. To, they might get another game, sure, because you know you could have Clay score forty. Sure. Um, I'll go back to one other thing you said too. It is a little concerning if I was a Warriors fan. We got the Curry and Clay game, and we still lost. Um, Draymond was awful. The bench was kind of not very good, but Andrew Wiggins was okay. He seeded some shots, I thought, more than anything, because uh, Clay had it going a little bit. But that's concerning to me is we, we were there and we, we still lost and still had that uh, terrible fourth quarter. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny because I've been asked a lot today throughout the course of the day, am I confident in the Celtics and that they're they're going to win the championship? And my answer is no. I mean, it's still they're up 2-1. They're, they're not up 3-1. You know, and even then yeah. I'd be a little more concerned. But, you know, yeah, I mean, being up 2-1, I think I feel as confident as you possibly can in what it is. You know, but they lose this next one. It's We're, we're right back to a brand-new series. So, you know, they've got to they get this win in game four. It looked like a mismatch in terms of physicality um, in in this game in Game Three, where and you can see it in the numbers. I mean, the offensive rebounds were fifteen to six in yeah. in favor of the Celtics. Um, so that was obviously something that that was a factor. Then turnovers also went in their favor. Uh, Sixteen turnovers for the Warriors compared to just twelve for the Celtics. Uh, those things can't happen in, in Game Four mm-hmm. if the Warriors are, are going to get a win and even this series and prolong this and give us give us more basketball. Um, but again, if not, if, if the Celtics win game four, that's probably it. And if Steph, Cur- there's, there's a lot of ifs that if one little thing happens, the series is done, right? Like yeah. if Steph's ankle is, is hurting, the series is done. If the Celtics win game four, the series is done, right? If Draymond doesn't come back around, the series is done. There's, and all of that is pretty much on the side of, of the Celtics right now. So I, I would have them as the massively heavy favorites to, to win this thing at this point. I, again, they were the favorites coming into it based on the advanced projections and things, not the betting odds, but that's a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be surprised if we didn't come to that result at this point because of all of the, everything right now is pointing towards Boston at this moment. But again, in the final, sometimes we can react to each individual game and uh, Warriors winning game four would change a lot. Could could shift the whole momentum of the series because that's the way seven game series go every game can shift what seems to be the trajectory or the path that you're on this has been trevor reverse jinxing and hedging quite quite well so we we appreciate that how did (laughs) i I reverse jinx what is because you're you're talking up the celtics too much man i know i I get it i see where you're going with this you're 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 hoping wouldn't you you agree that that right now the Warriors have a lot more things that yeah, happen or undoing yeah. than the Celtics do. Yes, I agree. I, I don't know about overwhelming and all that, but yes, I do. I do think they have way more uh, questions to answer yeah. than Boston does. I think they have a lot of personnel questions because Steve Kerr is clearly searching. He's searching for a sixth, seventh, eighth guy that he can just buy yeah. some minutes with. The single biggest difference I think between this Warriors version and the the 
dynasty warriors, if we will, um, is that group didn't have the attack points on both ends of the floor, meaning they didn't play so many one-way guys. Yeah. Um, you know, this group now, because Clay has slipped enough defensively due to the injuries, to be fair, um, Curry, he, he's not an awful defender like people make him out to be, but he's still not very good. Um, Jordan Poole is just, I mean, God, he's a turnstile traffic cone chair, whatever non-inanimate object right. that with defense, you know, put it in there. Um, and then, I mean, Bielitsa, come on. Like, that was, you know, those minutes were a disaster. So it just really feels like it's um, – there's places. And then on the offensive end, I mean, there's there's clips flying around. I even use some of them in my takeaways for Celtics blog today. Boston is a like, Draymond, you want to shoot? Have at it. We're going to treat oh, yeah. you like you know a worse version of Ben Simmons. Um, you know, and, and there are Celtics fans who are very concerned because they're playing drop coverage against Steph Curry. Some, but part of why they're doing that is they don't want to get put in the spin cycle where it turns into, all right, we're going into a whole bunch of actions and we're having to scramble and recover and we might be giving up layups. Um, they're willing to live with, all right, you know, he can take a whole bunch of threes, but, you know, if he gets hot, which he did, then they started pressing up and started taking those away a little bit and Steph didn't do much in the fourth quarter uh, before he got hurt. So, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, it's, I mean, this has been a fun series so far, at least, you know, back and forth with adjustments and changing in personnel. I think he made Doka made the right call, bench Daniel Tice completely. This is going to be, you know, a fun game, game four, because I think you're right. This is, I'm not going to go as far as saying it decides the series if the Warriors win, because I'd still think the Celtics can still win it. it yeah, I it think decides it decides the series if the Celtics win. If yeah, exactly. Right. If Boston it's a, it's a risk. It's not, I don't want to say risk free. Because it's not. There's still a lot on sure. this game for the Celtics. But and they're not I don't know what phrase I want to use, but for the Warriors, the end of the series could be is is on the line in game four, and that's not true of the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And yeah. and I think too, and when I picked Celtics in six going into the series, the path I kind of thought was get one of the first two in San Francisco, win the two at home, then Game five, if you lose it, you're coming back home to close it out. It's a different format, right? Because when when uh, I think about when the Celtics and Lakers played in 2008, it was still the 2-3-2 format. But Boston got up 3-1. The Lakers killed them in game five. Uh, I think sneaky key to that uh, win for Boston was Doc Rivers basically benched everybody uh, very early in the fourth quarter of that game and said just – you know, go, you got it. You know, who cares if you win by 50, we're, you know, going to be up uh three, two heading home. And then they turn it the other way in game six. And, and I can almost see this one maybe going that way, but the key would be, you got to win this one. You got to win, win game four. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, a lot riding on game four on this one. All right, yep. let's move to some, into some news. Uh, the Jazz, willing to listen on trades for Rudy Gobert, but not so Donovan Mitchell. It's pretty consistent with what we've been hearing, um, that they would consider moving him. Of course, Rudy Gobert's contract is something that teams will have to factor in four more years. Max deal, that, that's some teams won't be willing to pay that, but still very, uh, very high-impact player. There's going to be suitors out there. Uh, it feels more like we're going to push towards a Gobert trade being executed here this summer. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are both uh, on the Jazz next season. But this franchise, the coach changing over, it, it feels like there's there's more change coming to this team. Yeah, you you know better than anybody how I feel about this stuff when there's a lot of smoke. I tend to be like, all right, there's something here. We're hearing. I mean, it's now getting to be just about every day. We're hearing something about Gobert. Um, yeah. Part of that is, I mean, whether you put it on him or the people who work for him, Danny Ainge doesn't exactly always keep things closest to the best. I will say, though, when he does make moves, they generally tend to come a little out of nowhere. Um, so Gobert to Chicago, the Vucevic stuff that we've heard, I don't know about all that. Um, but it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he gets moved. It, you know, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if there's some different team that jumps in on him that, that we haven't heard even word about. You know, and says, you know, hey, yeah, we think he, he's the guy. Yeah, I do think, though, it's going to be important if you trade him. It can't be for, like, a rebuilding package because you still got Mitchell, so you're trying to still be competitive and keep him happy, too. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, 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 But I think you're right. I, I think uh, we're getting more change than, than just um, uh, coaching staff. And they talk about a wide net, too. I think we're up to, like, 12, 13, or 14 different coaches yep. that have been mentioned, which is, right, that's the way to do it. You're Kind of only sort of competing with the Hornets, maybe. Um, at this point, so you know why why not? I I do wonder if they would have, you know, would have liked to have had an answer a little earlier. Maybe could have gone Darvin Ham, um, but you know it is what it is. And now you you know there's still a lot of great candidates out there. Sure, yeah, there there's plenty of candidates out there that are um, options, and, and we'll see who they ultimately land on. But again, now you have maybe even a little bit more pressure on the Hornets to come to a conclusion with their search as well because. Now there's another another team, another landing spot for a coach that's yep. out there. Even uh, if the Hornets are closing in, right? We will, that all indications are they'll have a decision here, probably within the next couple of days. Right. I've been talking a little bit about summer league, so let's jump to Las Vegas. Um, yeah. Today I've been working on some summer league stuff. LeBron wants to own a team in Las Vegas. I should say, billionaire LeBron wants to <laughs> own a team right? in Las but, Vegas. Yeah, I mean, hold on, let's pause there for a second. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like active player and he's a billionaire. Like, come on, man. Like, you know, big, big, uh, you know, congrats there on that one. Like that, that's awesome. That's, I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, again, uh, unprecedented for, for this league. So that, that's amazing. And, uh, and look, we've talked about it. Vegas is a great spot for a team. I think it's going to happen. Will LeBron be yep. an owner of that team? I don't know, but that's a great goal for him. And I think it's a, it's an attainable one. And, I mean, to me, putting a team in Vegas is a no-brainer, just like putting a team in Seattle. I, I think expansion's coming. We're going to see it, and it wouldn't shock me at all if we do, if we get – would he name the team after himself, like the Las Vegas LeBrons? Oh, God. Or, or, or the – they can't be the Kings, the, the Las Vegas chosen ones. 
Yeah, yeah no, no, please, no. You know, no. Come up with something better. Can is there? Like someone will come up with. Something. Yeah, you know what I like? I like the Las Vegas Vipers. I, I like that one. I do like yeah. that. I like Maybe, alliteration. So. Do you lose the the loss and just do Vegas Vipers? Oh, that could be fun too. Yeah, that could be kind of fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I'm. What I'm starting to wonder is, is there going to be something? You can't be a. There's no such thing as a player coach anymore. It violates the CBA. There's then obviously no such thing as a player owner. There's yeah. no 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 Jackie Moons here or anything like <laughs> that. Um. But I think what I would wonder is, is this one of those things where he is? Everybody knows he's going to own the team, but the team comes in to being, and then maybe his last year, it's him and his son playing for Vegas whatevers. And that's kind of – not that there wouldn't be enough interest anyway, but that really draws significant interest to the team. And that's how he gets a lift in. Because I think he has a little bit of the um, ability to do that. Had he never left the Cavs or didn't leave the Cavs the second time, it would feel a little odd, right, to like – Oh man, you got to finish your career there. But now he's played for three different franchises and one of them twice. So I think if you kind of finished it out and then of course, then transition, you know, into ownership at some point, kind of sort of what MJ did with the wizards, right. Where he was a part owner, I think of the wizards for a little bit, then he came back and played and then left. I, I could see it go that way with, with LeBron. I will say too, he said this, this isn't a report. This is nothing. He said this. Um, on uh, the the uninterrupted, uh, the the shop, um, yeah, right. He, he that's where he came out. He directly said, "I want to own a team. I want to own the team in Vegas. I want the team in Vegas." Um, so this isn't anybody. No one's reporting this. There's no one speculating here. He directly said this, so that leads a lot more credence to it than you know just a random report. Well, and he said this too, like keeping in mind that Vegas is not that far from LA. Right, so if he's he's based in LA, it just makes all kinds of sense for him yep. to go this route. So it'd be it'd be cool to see to see it happen. And personally, I'm with you too. See, got to be Seattle first. Yep. Then then Vegas. You know, tilt the the league, get, get them two more West teams, rebounds things a little bit, figure out how you yeah you know, whether it's Memphis, Minnesota, whoever, blow the whole thing up, redo all the divisions, conferences, some way, one way or another. Like I'm fine with all that. Like well, that can all get sorted. But yeah, get get two more teams uh, out there. It's a as an East Coast fan who watches games in that ten and ten thirty window. It sucks sometimes when there's only like two good West Coast teams because then you get stuck. I can't tell you how many uh, Kings and in, in uh, dry Lakers years those were the only games on in the you know middle of the night. And it's like, come on, like this this is what I'm doing. Usually, I just see East Coast fans complaining that the games are on so late. Yeah, but you're, well, you're the finals is past nine, nine a.m. or nine p.m. local start times. That's that's crazy i get why they do it but that's you know even the warriors guys are like this sucks like you're all out of rhythm this is not right these guys prepare to generally play at seven or seven thirty or eight o'clock yeah. right local time and then you push it back to nine which is really closer to like a nine ten tip but yeah that's that's a whole we we don't have enough time I'll wait no that's that's a whole other other rabbit hole <laughs> um don't sound the siren but no ben simmons rehabbing post siren is retired that's that's it's not coming back um, so he is rehabbing right now. Sounds like he will be ready for the start of the regular season. What will that look like? We don't know, but 
I just I just hope he's healthy. I mean, look, he missed yeah. the entire season. He's one of when he's out there. I know people have a lot of negative things to say, but when he's healthy, he is one of the young stars in the NBA. And so just like Zion, I would like to see him out there and healthy and see what Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, what that looks like out on the floor together and if they if they can make that work. So I, I hope he heals up and can be 100% and get everything set and be out there come October. Yeah, if, if Ben Simmons fails with the Brooklyn Nets, I want it to be Ben Simmons' basketball player fails with the Brooklyn Nets, not yes. any other reasons. Um, I want it to be, you know, he's, you know, healthy, uh, you know, physically with his back. He's mentally healthy. He's ready to go. You know, it's a, you know, we, we all had a lot to say for months and months and months. And some of it for me still holds true. Like I, I, you know, we'll see what how it happens with his grievance and all the stuff and arbitration that's going on with him getting paid, not getting paid. But yeah, it's no more like uh, that. That's done. Now I want to see him play ball. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Miles Turner, one of the names that's been out there on the trade market for what a year now, not longer. Uh, Miles Turner, it looks like the Pacers are probably going to keep him around. There was a point at the trade deadline when we thought Miles Turner was the guy who was going to get moved by the Pacers. And instead, it wound up being Domitas Sabonis. And now it looks like Turner might just be in Pawnee long term. Uh, now he's only got one more year under contract, but they're not trying to move him this offseason. Looks like they do want to hang on to him and see what they can do with him next season. And then whatever pieces they add in via the draft, via free agency, via trade. Well, that doesn't look like Miles Turner is a piece that they now feel like they need to move on from. Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're the Pacers, you're looking to flip this thing quickly, get right back into contention. And I think what they're looking at is, all right, we've got Turner, Halliburton, uh, Heald. We'll see what happens with Brogdon. Probably sounds like he may be moved um, in a trade. We've got a bunch of cap space. We've got a good high draft pick. I think they're thinking much like Portland is and a couple others. Let's flip this thing very quickly, get right back into being a playoff team again. And and I, my guess is they're looking at it as Turner is a guy who helps us get there versus, well, we already got this other guy like Brogdon, good player, but now you have Halliburton. That's a that's overlap. You don't need that, you know. And they're not necessarily the best fit to play with each other a ton. So I I I'm fully there with, with this for the Pacers. You know, I I think it's right. And then as you said, eighteen million dollar expiring contract. That's still very very easily movable when we get to the trade deadline if, if things aren't going the way to go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's something that they can definitely move later on. So we'll see. Looks like Miles Turner probably stays put um, unless something pops up that they can't can't resist. Uh, the Suns had a COVID outbreak during the playoffs. Could that be part of the reason why we saw the team perform so poorly in that that game seven? I mean, no, we've seen it's mostly been team personnel. Wasn't a, a player issue. Yeah. One still, player. This is this is something that's that's noteworthy because it wasn't. It wasn't widely reported at the time. And for that to hit a team, it's it's concerning. But also, like, what, six months before this, 
everybody would have been hearing all about this and you know there would have been big you know alarms going off everywhere it happened and not much really came of it when at the time yeah without um you know needing to put up flashing lights and sirens and everything covid is not the flu so let me start with that but that's kind of where we're at now in terms of treating this in the nba it's this isn't really all that different from having a big flu outbreak Sons are fully vaccinated. It sounds like all personnel are vaccinated. So it, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. It's crappy timing, but it kind of is what it is. And, you know, th- this is it. So it's, uh, I I don't, there was a lot of, uh, oh, so that's why they lost by so much to Dallas. I don't know that that's why they lost by so much. I'm sure it was an influencing factor. Like, I'm not going to say it wasn't. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was that, that quite answers all those questions i think the mavs played great the suns didn't and that's the extent of it agreed yeah i think there was wasn't a COVID situation that led the suns to look lethargic in game game seven the biggest game of their of their season um all right save the the best for last for our wheelhouse here cba stocks they're already starting let's go this is what we want keith we yep. want CBA talks to start right now so that when time comes, you get this thing done and we don't have to deal with the whole, is there going to be a work stoppage, all that kind of stuff. Let's keep this ship rolling on, sailing on, I should say, and get this thing all figured out. I think it makes sense for both sides to start the discussions mm-hmm. now. I think there's incentive for both sides to keep this train moving. But um Again, I think it's a good thing that these preliminary talks are happening. Both sides are going to want things. There's going to be sure. negotiations. That's going to happen. There's going to be points where we hear about contention and, and things like that. But it's a good sign that they're already trying to get ahead of things and say, look, let's get this process started now. Let's not ruin a bad thing. And let's um, let's get this sorted out sooner rather than later. Yep. Our last uh, experience. So, well, let me start first is with a little bit of timeline on this. Both sides can opt out of the, C- the current CBA in this December. Um, if either side does, then they opt out. Doesn't impact this upcoming season, the 22-23 season. That would get played out. But if there's not a labor agreement, if somebody opts out, 2023, we have likely a lockout versus a strike. Um, just it's lockouts generally tend to be the way these go. Um, as far as most people are concerned, it's a work stoppage. That's all you really care about. Yeah, correct. Um, and we wouldn't have free agency and blah, blah, blah. But if we go back to 2017, what they did in that situation after they opted out of the deal, they did these early talks, then they negotiated everything well in advance, and we had almost all the details long before they needed to be um, running up against anything. We saw no form of stoppage, nothing. Everybody flowed. We were right into it. Um, you're absolutely right. We'll have some stuff that needs to be addressed. The owners are for sure going to want to address the Oh, I'm not feeling good, so I don't want to play because I want to trade stuff. That's going to need to be addressed. There's going to be stuff around, hey, are some of these extensions too restrictive, not restrictive enough? What about free agency? Those kind of things. The big things, though, the revenue split, the how much money people make, how much the players get versus the owners get, those you're not hearing really any, well, you know, it's got to be more. We got to change that whole model. That's great news. Because all the rest of this stuff, that it's it sounds weird because it's really important for our purposes. It'll be way more important, right? Because it's going to give us details, though. Goodies, but that's it. They're details. They're they're small potatoes in this big 
you know, overall stew here of the CBA. So it is, you know, the big meaty chunks, that's the money. And that part, people aren't really complaining about too much. So that, I feel very optimistic we're going to be just fine. Plus, both sides worked through the pandemic. They're not, like, you know, knock on wood, you know, whatever, salt over the shoulder, whatever we need to do. Hopefully we don't have anything like that again. Um, yeah. You know, and then they'll be, you know, we'll watch them move forward, you know, from there. So I'm, I'm very optimistic for where, um, you know, things are going to go with these CBI talks. Yeah, I think this is a great sign, and hopefully this is just, you know, I, I'm okay. Best case scenario, there's a few tweaks that give us something to sink our teeth into. Yep. But other than that, we just continue moving on. They sign this yep. thing, get it done, yep. and, and we move forward, continuing to play yep. basketball. Absolutely. A lot of money at stake. As I, uh, One of my favorite sayings, sayings is I'd rather have half a watermelon than a whole grape. If you could change – anything in the CBA. And I guess it depends on what perspective you're looking at it from, whether it's the ownership side or the player side. But what do you think needs to be changed the most right now? I would like when you're on the 10-year max contract, so the, 10, the, the 35% max, without changing the money, overall total money. So let's just say it's five years, $250 million. Mm-hmm. Making that, that's not what it would be. But let's say that's what it is. I would like to see them be able to flip that so that you take the bigger hits in year one, and then it goes down. You can't do that because you can't front load a contract off of max and go down. Um, from from You can, but the player would lose too much money that way. You can't go above their single-year max. That's the only circumstance I would want them to be able to do that. Because then that way, James Harden, for example, maybe you feel a little bit better if I'm not paying him $60 million in year five, but I'm paying that in year one. And that goes down to 42 million in year five. Or whatever the they yes. like yeah, that. exactly. As, yeah. So the contracts and the cap are going like this right there. They're going opposite each other. Um, that's what I would like to see happen, you know, ultimately with, with that. Cause I think that is, um, you know, something there. And I, I don't think that hurts anybody because mm-hmm. You're, the player's still getting the same amount of money. It actually frees up player movement, makes it better for the teams. So that that's a change I would like to see. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That would be a good one. I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of a tweak to restricted free agency as well. I know they already cut down you know, how long teams have to respond and everything. But it feels like when you look at, at free agency, the restricted free agents are put in such a difficult spot where teams won't even talk to them. Teams won't even bother yeah. offering them a contract. Yeah. And, that puts, and that kind of makes them stuck. So some sort of a tweak to restrict the free agency to give a little bit more power to the hands of the, the player. Not a lot, because I understand that the teams need to have that kind of security as well. But yeah. some sort of a little tweak there to give the give the players a little bit more leverage in that situation. Because we're seeing a lot of times where teams won't even bother with restricted free agents. And I don't think that's really the intention behind it is to, is to leave the player without any real options out there. Yeah, and it... it- it rarely ends up hurting the very best players. Yeah. What, who it does hurt is kind of a, the Colin Sexton's of the world. Yep. Yeah, that kind of middle-class guy where it's like, well, they're just going to match anything reasonable and anything that's not reasonable that we've hurt ourselves because we had to yep. make you know, an offer we don't feel good about. Yeah, exactly. So I, I something there, and that would be a tweak I'd like to see. But again, big picture, get this thing done, and uh, let's keep playing basketball. Yep. All right. That's everything for today. We, we got through it. A lot of stuff here, yep. but, um, but 
exciting time in the NBA. Again, the offseason, it's almost here. We're counting down the days till the offseason begins. I know you're not. Everybody, <laughs> we are. We're <laughs> counting down the days till officially the offseason is, is here. There's going to be a lot going on. We've got the draft, of course. We've got free agency. We're in the trade market. We've been saying this is going to be the summer of the trade because there's not much out there on the free agent market. So exciting time. Make sure you guys do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell. Uh, Keith, we made it. Another day. And uh, I can't wait to see what tomorrow brings. Hey, we got to do two things real quick. Otherwise, people are going to be really mad. The first one, um, Hustle was actually pretty good. Adam Sandler movie. I, I enjoyed it. That. Having basketball player, that. having people play basketball players that can play basketball, what a massive difference it makes. Yeah. Like it's actually all the basketball scenes are relatively believable. There's a few parts in there where it's a little like, hey, come on, what are we doing? But uh, not bad. But did you watch Ms. Marvel yet? So I've watched the first 10 minutes. So okay. I, I read the reviews on it and everything was like, this is a very PG show. I went, cool. Yeah. Sat my daughter down and she was like, when does she become Miss Marvel? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm sure it's coming later. I said, why are you bored? She goes, yeah. I yeah, said, okay, yeah. we don't have to watch that. She so might be a little is, young. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch. I will watch it later. But I tried watching some of it today with her, and it, it did not hit. Our 12-year-old loved it. Like she okay. thought she's super into like high school drama stuff right now and all that. So she liked that part of it. She she's just like her dad. She loves Marvel. So yeah, we're, we're we were pretty into it. So all right, we'll we'll look forward to a more full, spoiler-free uh, thoughts. You know, on tomorrow's show. That's right. That's right. I'll dig into it. I'll dig into it later. <laughs> all right, everybody. Appreciate you for joining us. Till next time. See ya and stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.